0: This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Monday, 13th of February, 2023. Friday ending on a slightly sour note, but uh, sentiment's sort of hanging in there. It's a bit nervous, though, coming into this week, and I think specifically around tomorrow's uh, CPI number. We'll certainly be getting into that, uh, but we have, uh, I think, most interesting is, as a pressure point across markets is the U.S. Treasury uh, yield and yields across the curve and the story they're telling. We'll also get into that, but uh, important being right now that we have the two-year closing close to the highs uh, of this cycle, and since basically since November, and not that many basis points below the all-time highs for this cycle, stretching back many years. And the ten-year closing on a strong note. It's there's still some um, more work to do there because of the inversion of the yield curve. But uh, I suppose, Peter, it really is uh, with with earnings season sort of fading away a bit. It really is this um, uh, this uh, Treasury yield curve and uh, Treasury yields and incoming data that's uh, that's exciting in the market here, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, we we talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, we finally had a, a move, not to the same degree in the long end of the yield curve. That's also why you're seeing the inversion hitting a new record on the U.S. yield curve. But um, but yeah, we we um, if we look at Friday's price action, we 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 fought our way back to the 4,100 level in the S and P 500 futures. We had the U.S. ten-year yield closing just below 3.75. So I think we had a 22, 23 basis point move in the long end of the yield curve, and that's really what's moving the needle, of course, on equity valuations. And if you look at the, uh, if you look at the price performance across the theme baskets, it was, of course, um, driven on the downside by a lot of the high growth, high duration equity themes, and it is really. The, the key thing going forward here, what, I mean, you can talk about levels, you can talk about technical uh, levels, etc., but and, and flows, but what matters is what happens to the inflation report yesterday. We have had a narrative in the market, John, with, you know, that we can reaccelerate in growth and still have uh, inflation, um, you know, rolling down to adequate to levels. And I, I think that rosy outlook, that rosy scenario is out of touch with the reality, at least that's the way I view it. And I really wonder, and that's I've put that in on slide three in today's slide day, I wonder when when the market will begin to pay attention to the sticky inflation. I've put in here the U.S. Uh, Atlanta Fed 12-month sticky CPI index, so it, it pulls out the, the components that have had you know, a historic, more sticky uh, nature, and as you can see here, the um, the Hasn't really been a lot of easing in in those sticky components, and we have seen that in other uh, countries' uh, CPI indices, John. So uh, that's really the key thing for me. When when will the na- when will the market change its narrative on on inflation?
0: Yeah, and just a uh, small note. You said yesterday when you meant tomorrow, on the inflation release. Uh, last I checked, they don't release. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no sorry. It's just uh, in case uh, <laughs> somebody caught the yesterday comment. I don't think they put official data out on Sunday, but uh, yes, it's a really key and, and, and part of all of this is the inflation data, of course. Uh, we've talked about it coming down somewhat in importance, and I think it still is somewhat secondary to where we are in the cycle. So if if, if the cycle, if there is no landing rather than a soft landing or hard landing, but no landing that we have to price at least for another couple of quarters, the market's going to look very different. And regarding the CPI release itself, there's a lot of attention around it anyway because of this new methodology and the uncertainty of is this going to mean a higher a risk of a higher print, or is it actually going to, as the conspiracy theorists believe, Sort of begin to suppress inflation data in coming months. There were some revisions to re, uh, the data last year, and the, the tendency in the revisions for the final three months of the year to be revised uh, quite a bit higher. So that's made markets nervous. Uh, supposedly, if the Fed was unaware of this, then they're sort of off uh, off the mark in terms of what they're expecting inflation to do. Uh, or what they're expecting inflation actually was at the time et cetera. So it really is a, going to be a key release I think just just to test uh, where where the market is on all of this. Expected at 0.5 on the headline month to month and 0.4 for the X food and energy and then 6.2 and 5.5 respectively for the year-on-year and that would be versus 6.5 5.7 respectively uh for the December uh, data. And and then talking about the you know the uh, beyond inflation just where are we in the cycle? And I think it's important to roll forward to the next slide, slide four, where I, I try to bring in a question mark. And I actually put this in my FX update on, on Friday. And I asked the question, What? well, what does a no landing scenario even look like? And the funny thing to me, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, is that as we sort of, we get this data, like we saw um, the week before last, uh, where we have an, um, a jobs report, it's far hotter than expected. And, and we see the market adjusting to that. But it just seems to sort of, Push the Fed. You know, maybe they'll. Oh, maybe they'll hike another 25 basis points. But essentially, we're still going to get this peak Fed rates at some point. Maybe in the summer. Maybe it's going to be late summer rather than uh, late spring. Uh, and they're still going to roll over quite heftily in 2024 because we are headed towards some kind of landing, soft or hard. And I've tried to to sort of display that with that small chart on the right, where I'm showing the spread between the December 2023 and December 2024 Eurodollar short-term interest rate contract to point out that despite the fluctuations here, that has not really changed. So that's just to point out that, yes, uh, maybe the Fed plus minus 25 basis points plus minus three months, but next year, uh, significant rate cuts uh, to the tune of 150 basis points uh, in the space of that one-year spread on those two short-term interest rate contracts. Uh, And you can see that reflected in the yield curve on the left in the orange line, which is still close to the record inversion for the cycle and the and the record version back to the early 1980s at minus 80 basis points. So, and I also stuck in a headline. We've got the obligatory Nick Timmeraus headline from the Wall Street Journal: Hard or soft landing? Well, what if we see neither? Is uh, is the question in his article? And he he runs through that. That was out uh, uh, either Friday or over the weekend, and. So what would it look like, I would suspect, is that you would need to see those long rates coming significantly higher and a significant steepening in the yield curve. And what does that scenario look like? Well, maybe inflation is – maybe it is coming in for a landing, but that landing is at 4% and not at 2%, or maybe it's at 3.5%. So the Fed doesn't really ever need to start cutting, but it doesn't need to really hike either because, arguably, if it has a 5-plus percent policy rate, why does it need to to hike – if inflation is steady at 3 to 4%, what would need to go higher would be um you know the cyclical pressure and that's the long end of the yield curve and that would be interesting uh, i think uh, relative to what we're seeing with these just sort of incremental uh, shifts but still expecting a landing i think that would that seeing that kind of pivot point is what i would be looking for for a new narrative in other words that narrative is just not there yet uh, dis- despite these headlines but go ahead peter
1: uh, yeah and john because uh, we, you and i we talked about it as well if you have the if you have the market suddenly pricing in the reacceleration scenario, so not even a hard or soft landing, you and I talked about. You would think that you would expect the yield curve to steepen, and, and that means, given where the short end of the yield curve is, there is a, quite a job to do on, on yeah. the long end of the yield yeah. curve. And that is that is the that is the downside risk, and where the risk reward ratio on equities right now could be quite ugly. Because if you suddenly have the U.S. ten-year yield at four and a half or even five percent, just for a flat curve. I mean that's that's quite a signif- quite significant damage I think that would be um, coming our way in equity markets uh, if if that's the case. Um, so super interesting CPI report I'm, I'm really looking forward to to how the market is going to price uh, this and also what type of data we're going to see over the, co- uh, the coming months.
0: Yeah and then we have on Wednesday we have the US retail sales data that is expected to be a strong number. I think some of that related to there's been some there's been a need to I think adjust some of the seasonality and it means that December gets uh, reported as weaker than it should be, and then January it jumps back. Um, <clears throat> but just rolling forward, still uh, slide five the FX market. So, dollar, no big surprise, closing quite firmly last week with these uh, high Treasury yields and the concern around the CPI release tomorrow. Interestingly, we saw the dollar yen pulling back higher with this uh, new Bank of Japan, likely nominee for governor, as a bit of an unknown quantity and academic. He's not going to be, uh, you know, he doesn't have a radical agenda. Uh, like the incredible arrival of Kuroda on the scene back in uh, 2013. So with the pressure on yields, the DN tends to underperform, and we saw dollar yen pulling back higher. If it, it gets above this sort of 133, there's a, a marginal uh, line in the sand there, slightly below 133, I think the risk would be towards a test of the 200-day moving average as long as uh, yields are pressuring higher. Uh, other things I want to point out, the Canadian dollar closing very strongly on Friday after a crazy strong Job support from Canada brings into question the ability of the Bank of Canada to engineer the pause that it seems to to want to signal here. The market's pricing in the Bank of Canada is a hike into the 25 basis points in coming meetings. Um, But it was interesting to see a a Canadian dollar is outperforming a strong U.S. dollar. Just for perspective on that jobs report, the unemployment rate stayed steady at 5% saw very strong payrolls growth, and uh, the 5% steadiness was because the participation rate increased 0.7% in one month. Uh, so uh, an impressive, impressive report there uh, what, you know sort of rhymes with this whole what if we're not seeing a landing scenario. And then pointing out Noki as well with the uh, big revival in crude oil prices on Russia's threat to, uh, uh, to cut a half a million barrels a day of production. All right, we have a couple of stocks to watch on your list there, or your list of two. they're on slide six, Peter, take us through these names: Castellum and Lift.
1: Castellum is not a, the typical stock that we would mention, but uh, there seems to be a, a little bit of a trend going on here in the Nordic equity market. And last week we had uh, GN Store Nor, which is a big uh, you know, um, uh, hearing hearing uh, hearing aid uh, device manufacturer. They the management back in 2021, the worst possible timing, and nobody really, there was speculation about new potential synergies with their Jabra, you know, commercial headset business, which is not the earring aid and uh, coupling that with uh, the gaming to broaden and, and also the, uh, the brand, uh, the overall brand of the company. They paid a, a, a steep premium for this gaming company and that turned out to be a, a huge misallocation of capital, so GN was out last week with a pretty significant rights issue to uh, to manage liquidity and bolster uh, the balance sheet and now this morning we have Castellum which is a real estate company a real estate management company we should say out of Sweden they were missing on management income for Q4 quite quite substantially and at the same time they are announcing a 955 million rights issue and again the same wording issue liquidity uh, sorry manage liquidity and then also uh, improve the short-term, medium-term uh, debt profile because they have a lot of uh, of those debt maturing in the, um, in the in the coming years. And Castellum, I think, is a, it's an interesting case because you and I have talked about both the Swedish krona, what's happening with the Swedish economy. Why, if we have this reacceleration growth theme, why are we not seeing a you know a more positive response in the in the Swedish krona? It's a high beta economy export oriented just like the netherlands and germany and definitely linked to a, a growth coming out of asia and china so it's it's one of those uh, pieces in the puzzle that that doesn't really add up to the reacceleration growth narrative if you if uh, if i was to you know put out my come out with my opinion on this and um, and i think it also speaks this castellan about rights issue tells a story about this brewing potential real estate crisis in 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 sweden keep in mind that sweden almost uh, they they did avoid a a significant real estate crisis during the great Financial crisis it was almost just a blip and then they they moved on and they the the market there was not really impacted during the euro crisis either a fantastic bull market there and now it's really being tested and the reason why i'm highlighting as well is that it could be a a growing trend that although we have this narrative of, of stronger Know, fundamentals potentially coming for for the global economy. We have companies that, that need to manage liquidity issues and, and and debt maturities. And this could be a theme that potentially could, could dominate more during the year. Yeah. I don't yeah, know whether no, you have just, any thoughts, uh, John.
0: Yeah. On the Swedish krona, it was very important to see. Uh, I agreed with all your points, uh, just to say for one, and that is that key uh, Riksbank meeting last week, where the, the central bank clearly taking the situation more seriously with the krona as a as an aggravator of the inflation, which has been worse in Sweden, even than in Europe, and it was a, a key meeting for putting a line in the sand uh, for for managing uh, that weakness. So I think, uh, yes, it's been a, a mismatch there, but I think from now on you're going to see a bank that is going to have to sacrifice uh, the economy and domestic some domestic uh, support for for these things uh, to control inflation risks from a weaker from a weaker currency. So at least that side of things, I think, has been is being managed differently from now on and the, the market will be giving the Reek's Bank a bit more respect. So just wanted to put that point in there. And then you have Lyft as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. the key points there on, on Sweden, John. Yeah, Lyft, we didn't talk about it on Friday's podcast. Um, it's it's one of those smaller stocks, but I think the, the price reaction that, that happened on Friday on the um, the Q4 results and the Q1 outlook that they posted uh, late uh, late night Thursday, Thirty-six percent is a big move, and it took Lyft shares down to the recent lows. And um, yeah, the market is, is is got really spooked about the outlook. They, they their demand profile looks very weak relative to Uber. That's not a good sign because they're in, in a head-to-head competition. And I think the uh, I mean it, it looks very much like Uber's business model. And and the, the pivot they have they have done there is is bolstering their business and the investor interest is moving in that direction that could be catastrophic for lift because if the market suddenly says ah oh, there's only one player in the in this um in this industry then why, why would we even consider uh, Lyft? lift so we have uh, an interesting tug of war there between Lyft and uber and right now uber is winning almost like the conversation we had uh, on friday between uh, uh, nike and adidas so watch out for lift if you're the uh if you're the risk-taking uh trader or swing trader there, there potentially isn't there is a, a trade to be made here or an opportunity at least um, on the on other side, uh, you, you decide. But uh, such a big move is always uh, quite uh, quite significant and warrants uh, some attention. If we move to the um, to the earnings watch on on slide seven, uh, very quickly we have two um, U.S. earnings reporting today or companies reporting today: Solar Edge and Palantir. I think the most interesting of the two uh, is Solar Edge, as you can see here on the little insert I've inserted um, on slide seven analysts are expecting almost 60% year-to-year growth rate. And if you look at the bottom line, 225% growth in earnings. This company manufactures and sells uh, inverters for solar modules and panels, and also have uh, quite a significant business on the software side, uh, monitoring software for, uh, for solar modules. This business is just growing very rapidly, and then the solar industry is in a much better uh, health and shape in terms of the growth than the wind turbine industry, as we have highlighted on this podcast a couple of times in the in the in the past months. So, watch Solar Edge and then Palantir as well. Both will report after the market close in the U.S.
0: All right, cool. Solar Edge selling only the inverters, you said, and not nothing to do with the panels or software as well.
1: Uh, no, only only inverters and software.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. All right, macro calendar, it's Monday, so it's pretty quiet. Um, No big surprise there. A couple of interesting little points out overnight in Australia, Uh, consumer confidence, sort of the soft surveys, consumer confidence in the NAB business survey. We have a single Fed speaker out today, and the CPI is the chief interest this week, but I wouldn't uh, undersell the January retail sales report out on Wednesday as indicated. And we have the NAHB housing market index. Uh, Let's see if we're going to see some a little bit easing up on the pressure Uh, there since uh, it it has been a long time since those mortgage rates peaked in the US. Maybe the shock is is starting to wear off on that front too, if we're supposed to be looking for this no landing scenario. Of course, we can still have a broader economy that is doing well, even if housing is is, uh, under pressure or has been reset to a slightly lower level here. Let's see. I think uh, we're going to need a couple more months of evidence to talk about a no landing scenario, but it just these themes and these narratives are very important to track to see how they uh, are tracking across markets to see if the market is having to revisit some of its uh, important assumptions. And that's always important for what can move markets and provide the next leg of action. That will do it for today. We will be back tomorrow with a Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email market call at saxobank.com